0: If you men will take no pay, then the greatest movie of all time will. Today on
1: the show, Glory the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie. Come on and hear me out. the greatest Come on and
0: hear Welcome to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, the ultimate warrior, Rick Barrasso,
1: and I, the glorious wreck.
0: We're going to watch every single movie ever made. and We're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all.
1: How are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing phantasmo. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing great. And I'm doing great because we got to watch Glory this week. But before we get to that, let's take care of some business first. Last week, we had our episode on Gangs of New York. It was a good one. Check that one out uh, or any of our library on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, whatever app you use, subscribe, review if you can. It's extremely helpful for the show. And if you enjoyed that one or if you have anything else you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook. At Great Movie Cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rec on Instagram. And you can always shoot us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our old dear friend, Bruce Wayne, the guy who we trudged through the southern United States with, would say, tell your friends about us. But now, let's get glorious. Glory is a 1989 historical drama directed by Edward Zwick. It stars Matthew Broderick as Colonel Robert Gould Shaw, Denzel Washington as Private Silas Tripp, Carrie Elwis as Major Cabot Forbes, Morgan Freeman as Sergeant Major John Rollins, and Andre Brower as Corporal Thomas Searles. He made $27 million on an $18 million budget. Let's get a 7.8 on IMDb. 93% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 78% on Metacritic. Uh, Ebert. He liked it. Three and a half out of four. A strong and valuable film. Thanks so much for for that, Raj. Uh, John Pym from Sight and Sound says, the film's chief virtue is its spectacular choreography. The final battle is a striking combination of dynamism and clarity. Our negative one this week, uh, Surprisingly, comes from usually a guy very positive, and it's Peter Travers from Rolling Stone, and he says uh, Matthew Broderick is catastrophically miscast as Shaw. And uh, I don't, (laughs) uh, I don't know if I go quite that far, but yeah, I I don't think he was the right guy.
1: Okay. So this is uh,
0: this is the first time you saw uh, Glory. Am I right? Never seen it before.
1: Okay. No, I saw this in high school. I forget what class it was, but pretty, uh, pretty, pretty brutal movie to watch in high school. I'll tell you that I remember it. It, it I remembered mo- a couple of scenes from it, and I remember just kind of like, wow, I can't believe I was a teenager watching this. And I was thinking, also as watching it again recently, I was thinking, wow, I hope you know, I wonder if there were any black students in my class while we were watching it, and how awkward it would have been for everybody in the class. Uh, that was the thing that kept coming to my mind. Um, but yeah, this would and be for those nice. of you listening.
0: We come from a
1: very white town. Yep, we do. Uh and this would be my second time watching it. So I actually watched it yesterday with my wife Gia. It was her first time watching it. And here we are. And just to kind of play upon what you said in the opening about us, we would this podcast would take the money. Ten dollars in eighteen sixty would be three hundred and thirty six dollars today. It, just saying. Just saying. What's thirteen dollars? but they should have been paid. Oh, I don't know. Let me see. Let's take a look. $13. Let's, come on, come on, come on, Google. Show me, show, show me, show me, show me $437. Hey,
0: get him, get him their extra money. Lincoln, get to they Lewis do. on the phone.
1: Why do I feel like Lincoln is like, like uh, almost like an antagonist in this movie? Well, I,
0: I, and I think that's one of the things that I wanted to do with this civil war month is looking at, the war through fiction through different perspectives yeah you know he was kind of you know in, in a lot of ways an antagonist in gang to new york you know there he put those policies in place that led to the draft that led to the, led to the draft riots you know he you know i don't i don't necessarily think he's like the bad guy here but you know he Lincoln didn't snap his fingers and like everything was great immediately with, you know, black people in the army, you know, so it, it's it's interesting looking at obviously compared to Lincoln where it's like, oh, no, you get exactly what he's trying to do here. And the people in the last two movies that we've uh, watched either disagree with it or can't see it. Yeah. Certainly. All right. So let's uh, let's talk about what happens uh in this here uh flick derek have you chosen a song to time me out
1: you know what i was thinking about it and i still don't have a song yet because it's one of those movies where like what do you play so i'm just gonna go with uh let's see i'm looking through my list of songs (laughs) all right i'm gonna go with uh hmm like do i go funny here (laughs) All right. I'm gonna go with uh man, decisions, decisions. I guess I'll go with uh tribute by Tenacious D.
0: Naturally, uh as a as a tribute to the brave men, and tribute men to, <laughs> to the tribute to the 54th.
1: The troops, yeah. 54th, uh, there you go. All uh, right, uh three, two, one, go.
0: After a terrible experience at the Battle of Antietam, Robert Shaw is promoted to the colonel and given command of the 1st Regiment of Black Soldiers in the Civil War. The soldiers come together through boot camp despite a system that seems to want them to fail. Shaw blackmails an especially shitty general in order to get the men a chance to prove themselves in combat. The regiment volunteers to spear an assault on a coastal fort, but suffers heavy losses, including Shaw himself. The sacrifice inspires President Lincoln to muster other Black soldiers to help win the war between the states. 27 seconds all right yeah not a not as an especially happy movie here uh right this, this week
1: yeah it's yeah it's it, it, yeah we'll get to a we, lot of it yeah yeah
0: definitely want to uh yeah, that's why we want to do the fun one next week but uh yeah i i am uh interested to talk about this one uh because i think there's a there's, there's a lot to talk about here a lot of meat in the bone so let's uh let's start off as we do every week by talking about our three favorite scenes in the movie Derek what's your number three scene
1: my number three scene is actually the scene between Rollins and uh and Trip where Rollins really just kind of strips down Trip to bare bones like what is wrong with you like what is up your ass sort of thing and I'm not going to use the the words and stuff that they use in the movie because there's no need for that but the way he goes about it and i think morgan freeman when i ha- when i have a picture of him in my brain i think of him in his you know very very iconic roles in shawshank redemption and things like that but this is an iconic role for him and i think people might overlook this movie or even forget about it or not know about it but this is like one of the first big ones for morgan freeman and he's excellent he's excellent in this movie and I love me some Morgan Freeman versus Denzel Washington and just seeing these powerhouse actors just go at it and to see, you know, D- you know, trip after the conversation of him being stripped down into nothing, his, his face is kind of like, I think that's the turning point in the movie for trip he's like, all right, I think I understand now. Like there's yeah. no reason for me to be doing what I'm doing. Um, and you know, there's, th- this movie has a lot of underlying things and one of the, you know, one of the things that there is is like Trip kind of gets like, what does it mean? What is it? What does it does anything even matter? And I get that from that character. You know, I get it. It's like if I was him, I would be like, what is this even just shoot me? You right. know what I mean? Like, who cares? So but the fact that Rollins is like this, like man in power now, um, it's a very, very important thing. And like, I kind of feel for both of them in the scene. You know what I mean? Because they're both right. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, it's a matter it's a matter of uh perspective, certainly. Um yeah, this this was my this is like my number four scene. Like this really almost made it. But yeah, it's it's somewhere where you 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 understand where both guys are coming from because you know, Morgan Freeman is a guy who's worked his way up, you know, and he's had, you know, even if he's not where he needs to be societally or even within the 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 army he's seen some sort of progress whereas you know denzel washington's character as we see in my number three scene which is the scene where he is flogged uh, after he runs away to try to get shoes um i think that's the scene that won him the oscar because you just see you know they take his shirt off and you just see the scars all like all over him you know, this this is a guy who has not had it easy in any sense of the word and has not made it easy on himself. Uh, right. You know he's, he goes looking for trouble sometimes where he could maybe avoid it, but you know he feels it's the right thing to do. and I, I, I see like you know maybe he had a little bit of hope, and it's just like squelched by this punishment. And you have Carrie Elwes like freaking out because it's like, how dare you, you know, Matthew Broderick, I'm just going to use the actor's name, but uh, how dare you, Matthew Broderick, whip a a former slave, like the ultimate insult. Right. And, you know, Denzel just can't even bring himself to react in this one instant and you just see the one tear down his eye. So I just just felt that was a very strong
1: scene. Yep. So, So what's your number two? My number two is the prayer that the 54th um does before the battle and i uh some would say that i am a very anti-religious person and that is very true Uh, i do believe in energy i don't necessarily believe in religion and what it does but i understand it and i think what i do believe in as far as energy goes is that these men are all in the circle and they're i think music's huge too for me like music's a very uh positive you know thing in my life and I I believe that there's some sort of communication with music and when they're all kind of singing and going through this prayer it's like the energy level of the scene keeps growing and growing and growing because they're all connected and they're all in the on the same page and it's a really cool scene and you know when Denzel's character gets up there and starts talking it's like the pauses the 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 uncertainty uh, of everything that's happening like you can tell that even you know even Trip is like I don't I don't know anything about this God stuff or Jesus stuff, but what I do know, you know, this, this and that. So he's like not even religious, but he's like singing along with them. He feels the the, the vibes of the group. And at this point, you know, he says like, you're the only family I know. And it's sad. It really is. It's a really, really sad scene, but it's a powerful scene. And it just makes you feel like at this point, they've all gotten to the point where they're like, we're in the trenches already. And we haven't even gotten there yet. And it's just a powerful scene. And it's, I think that's my number two.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a great scene as well. I I agree with you. And just that they finally are together as a family, as a unit, you know, not as just a group of individuals sort of trying to gel together. And they obviously seeing what's going to happen the next day is like, it's even harder. Yeah. So my number two scene is a bit of a happier scene than that. Maybe the first sign of them coming together. And that's, Uh, When we, uh, you know, we talked about a little before is when they all refuse their pay, which seems kind of short-sighted, you know, like, but it's, uh, I really like it, you know, Matthew Broderick is really starting, his character is really starting to try to understand them, you know, starting with this, you know, I think he goes to, uh, I mean, this is right around the time he's like starting to talk to Morgan Freeman about like, hey, I need to go to you about the, with the men, and I think he understands that he needs to be with them in a different way than maybe like career soldiers uh, might need. And, mm. you know, it's it's just one of those times where Denzel, it's just like goes looking for trouble. And it's time it like, you know, it doesn't literally pay off for him, but it figuratively does because he does get, you know, his family. The only family he knows is later in the movie. Right. So this brings us to number one. What do you have?
1: My number one was your number three. I think this scene is the scene of the movie. I think the, the, the flogging scene of um, Trip is, 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 is very, very powerful. And I've seen a lot of Den- – well, yeah, you know what? I can't say that. I should say the opposite. I haven't seen many Denzel Washington movies. So I've always wondered what his appeal really was. Because to me, when I saw commercials of trailers and things, he just seemed like he played Denzel in another movie. And even something like Training Day, I watched it. I thought it was a good movie. But again, it just seemed like it was Denzel again. But I got to see a little bit of a different side from him here. And just him staring at Shaw and just kind of, there's no words necessary. Does this, it's just, it's beyond, beyond powerful. It's just, it's unbelievable. It's an incredible scene. And, you know, the tear rolling down his eye is a real tear because they used a whip that Did hurt. It didn't leave scars, but it did hurt. And there was a point where the director was going to say stop, but he kept it going for longer than he expected. He wanted to get that dramatic thing. And then Denzel shed a tear. So it becomes even bigger. You know, it's like, and one question I have, and this is probably, I probably can answer this myself, but if a white man had deserted the group and gotten caught, what would his punishment be? You know, would there be a punishment?
0: I think, I think it would have been the same but I don't think especially at this point I I don't think that the colonel was really understanding that it would have a different weight to to whip a black right. man exactly you know
1: yeah like, and, and, I think, and if
0: thinking yeah. does kind of get it once he takes his shirt off and sees the scars but
1: yeah and and what this movie does very interestingly show is is eh it shows that this is like the first movie so far that we've seen where like, it really shows that like a lot of union soldiers don't give a shit about slavery either way. They're just like, they still feel how they feel. And it makes, it makes me feel like, you know, the civil war is not black and white. It definitely is not, you know, it's not like the war ended and the Confederates. were like, Oh, it's law now. So no more slaves. I'm not racist anymore. Right. But it also doesn't mean that a lot of union soldiers weren't racist because they were. Absolutely. And you know,
0: I mean, we get we have racist people today, you know, who have who would probably hold uh, views not too dissimilar from an average guy in the, uh, you know, in, in the Union Army at that point. Like, let's, you know, I think so many of them were fighting for like, fuck America. It, it, it kind of, you know, it, it, in a way, it is the most black and white war. But
1: for, right, right. It's, it's yeah. I, know, I see what you're saying.
0: There's there's a great, you know. It, I'm gonna have to reference Game of Thrones here, but there is a line where I think it's Jor-Mormon. He says like, you know, the, the the small folk in Westeros don't care who's on the Iron Throne. They just want, you know, they want food in their belly and like a summer that never ends. Right. You know, like what what is it, what is it to them? Right, right. You know this, and like even if they're fighting for the right thing, these people. You know, if if I'm a guy who's like I've been taken away from my family, I got my leg blown off by a cannonball, uh, and like, how does how did the free slaves help me? You know, right. from that from that perspective, You yep. know, you've, maybe they're going through life they haven't met a black person, let alone like talk to them. Right. So from a you know looking at it from that myopic point of view, yeah, I can I can see I can understand why someone would feel that way. But of course, if you take a step back and realize, like, oh, it is inherently unjust that these people decided that they can own other people. Yep. So it, yeah, there's there's certainly some nuance to it. So my uh, my number one scene is the final battle, which like the build up is great to it, but like really specifically once Matthew Broderick dies, a, a switch just gets flipped, you know, and like the music changes, the how the movie is shot changes. And it's just like, we're in the shit now, you know, we're, you know, this is, we wanted these characters to be able to prove their, you know, their bravery and, you know, get their glory there. I said it, Uh, (laughs) but now we see the reality of it Mm -hmm. and all the more like kind of a gut punch when the final like tag comes and it's like, they never took the union, never took the fort. Right. So it's Which like, is
1: isn't entirely true, but
0: Well, I mean, we took it all once we won the war. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean and it's, it does draw a line between their sacrifice here and you know and, and Lincoln you know, getting more black people to fight the war. But you know Was it in, Lincoln- in the end, like specifically like they died for at the same time, like almost nothing and everything, you know, it, yeah. it's just, it's similar to the war. It's like granularly, granularly eh, easier for me to say their sacrifice didn't mean a whole lot, but on the grand scheme of things, it did.
1: Right. Didn't Lincoln say like, isn't there a part in the movie where like Lincoln's like, if you're a slave, once the war's over, you just go back to being a slave.
0: It's more complex than that. I, I think he, Yeah, there's a lot of politics going into that that would not have made that viable for Mm -hmm. southern states. You know, because a lot of what actually led to the war, like in general, the war is about like the south wants to keep slaves, but the mechanisms to what led to the war were a lot of it was like the south wanted to come and get their slaves in northern states if they escaped. And northern states were like, fuck off. And that's that's kind of like the mechanism that eventually led to the war.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't mean to like insult anybody listening to this, especially if you don't share my uh, my opinion here. But the more I watch these things and the more I get into like history, like this country was founded on slave owners and pieces of shit, and it makes me kind of like lately be like, I'm living here and in Reading, Massachusetts. I don't care if you know where I live, and I just feel like it's it, I feel sour about it. I'm like, there's a lot of things that people have done in this country that are so shitty that we look past, and people just think, oh no, we're free country and we do all these things right. We do a lot of things bad, and we have since day one. And these, movies, especially this movie, shows me that like, again, the Union Army, like they weren't saints, and a lot of these things were political moves. And you know, Lincoln didn't know if he believed in civil rights for black people. It's just that's a lot of stuff to, to get into, but um, and and the whole name of the movie, Glory. I almost hate that because what is it really? What What is it? You know, I get that like, you know, for black people, especially like you're dying for a cause a really strong cause. But at the end of the day, it's like, and, and Gia was mentioning this too. She's while we we're watching the movie, she's like the battle sequences. She's like, the, why is that? Why is it? Why is it happening? Like that's messy. People are holding flags and she, and I'm like, I know I think it's the stupidest thing in the world. Yeah. It's like, you're holding a flag as like, you're going to die. So the
0: 19th century was, full of these like worldwide was full of these like incredibly bloody wars. Right. And because of that weapons became more and more deadly, but strategy didn't necessarily keep up with it. Right. So, you know, in a way, if we were watching like, I don't know the Patriot or Braveheart or whatever, and you see like, Oh, they're like stand, you know, a revolutionary war movie. You know where they're just like waving the flags like that doesn't look too out of place. It's a holdover from that, but you know you got to think about it now. You know we're in we're in twenty twenty two, yeah. About sixty, you know let let's say the same, about the same give or take a few years difference in time between the Civil War to World War One is like Vietnam to now. Yep, and the like mm-hmm. Vietnam to now it looks different, but it's not that different you know whereas compared to the difference between the Civil War to World War One, it's like you're looking at completely different things yeah so and and really like strategy doesn't catch up until the end of World War One to like what these weapons can do right so as a result of that the wars in you know, Civil War as well as like all these like European Civil Wars Napoleonic Wars um, like French revolution earlier, they get so ugly and they get so bloody. And it's just like, these people are like beholden to concepts that are outdated, you know, glory. Like how I was watching this movie and I was like, so you're telling me that they're not going to have to like fight and run headfirst into bullets. And they want to do this. Right. You know, like let's, let's think about this for a second. Like, you know, doesn't it, wouldn't it be better to, to, you know, live? And, you
1: know, it just seems like there was no, you know, no thought process whatsoever of like, we're going to run forward and we're all going to die. It's literally a suicide mission right? for the, for the most part. And it's like, nobody thought of like oh, diversions and how can we do this? And, you know, and maybe there was meetings about this back in the civil war, but it just seemed like the South and the North march face to face and whatever happens happens. And it's like, Oh boy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's an ugly war. I, I do believe it's either this or World War One. Probably this has like the most Americans die in any any war.
1: Yeah, Be, because it's just like yeah. Considering losing, all, considering all, everybody who fought in this war was American. <laughs>
0: yeah, everyone who fought in this war was American. But it, like, it, it also was just like medical, te- um, you know, technology really hadn't caught up with much. You know, it's like they. Just, I feel like they just figured out how to wash their hands. I don't know. Right. Um, and it, like, so people were just like getting, like, you know, shot in the arm or the leg, and it's like, well, if they got this injury twenty, thirty, forty years later, they'd like be fine in a few weeks. But right, right. Now it's like, no, they're just gonna like it's just gonna rot off. Now you're
1: just gonna, it's gonna get infected. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like you're you're fucked. Like it's gross time, gross time to live in. in <laughs> yeah. General. Absolutely. But yeah. That's what we liked about it. Let's uh, let's go to our least favorite part. What did you have for your uh, your least favorite part of the movie?
1: Yeah, I have a couple of things listed. Um, I will start off with your favorite scene is actually kind of the ending of the movie. I felt that I know that it's true and it's real and it's supposed to be kind of a, a sad ending, but it was just kind of abrupt for me. And it was kind of like I, I maybe wanted a little bit more of like what the 54th did. Can I see it? can I see something of what they, what they actually did out there? Like what, what is the, the outcome, you know, kind of see something, but they didn't really show it. And we just kind of know from history that like, well, they, they gave up their lives and then the war was won by the union, but, and, and slavery was abolished, of course. But like, I just felt the ending was just like, here's some paragraphs. I just, it didn't really do it for me. That's just my first thing. Yeah, um, and, and specifically
0: my favorite to,
1: to the very
0: end of the movie, like that tacked on, like you see the dead bodies on the beach and like, uh that's not part of my favorite scene it's just like to the end of the battle right
1: well I'll get to that too so the 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 actual battle itself I felt the first half of the movie was stellar and I felt the second half of the movie had pacing issues knowing what I knew you know it's going to end up this battle and stuff I just thought it was it just was a little sluggish maybe I don't even even for a battle scene I just felt like there was a lot of explosions but things just didn't I don't know. I don't know if I if I appreciated the way it was shot. The location was kind of odd. I know it was probably true where the location was and everything, but I just felt second half of the movie it just had you know pacing issues. Um, I think you know, and this goes with my 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 second thing here. Basically, I think that the movie being a view from Shaw it it hurt the movie a little bit because I think the movie would have been a lot better with a black man's point of view. Yeah rather than a white man who was kind of wealthy point of view. And the letters to his mom, it, it just didn't really hold an emotional punch. It was just kind of like thrown in there because it's true and real, but I didn't really care. His letters to his mom didn't make me feel anything, but if it was a black man telling the story and he was like, it, it would have been a whole different movie in concept. And yeah. I know the director, director did a good job by by not making this movie a uh, white man saves the day th- type thing, yes. it really wasn't that he did a good job not showing that, which was great. But I just thought that uh, you know, if maybe if this was if this was like from the uh, opinions of Trip or something like that, it could have been like, whoa, this is this is you know a person who is owned by people. It's his point of view and how what he goes through. Not and again, Matthew Broderick was he miscast? I don't know. Maybe he was. It was some scenes were odd and it was already odd watching him being somebody in power in the civil war. And then also, you know, following him and he's the narrator. It's just, you know, glory could have been an a, a plus if maybe it was narrated yeah. by a, by a black man. That's just my opinion.
0: I, I, that I, I, agree with that as far as Matthew Broderick goes, I feel like they, there's two directions. They could have gone with the character and they, it, didn't, they didn't really, they kind of straddled both of them didn't really work. One is if you get like, he's like the, the upper crust, the 1% of the 1% who needs to like learn how to, you know, talk to these, you know, these soldiers and, and, you know, work with these people, or you make him like an inexperienced boy who like, Mm -hmm. doesn't kind of like, can't like needs to figure out himself and so he can like live up to these people. So uh, they kind of do both and it doesn't really work with that character in particular. The the other thing about that character that I had down here. So there's this subplot in the first few like the first like third of the movie, first act let's say
1: of he's dealing with PTSD.
0: Yep. And that just kind of disappears.
1: Right, right. It's cuz like it's like he basically like again to do a game of thrones thing he's kind of like Tyrion, where he's like it's like knocked out for like the majority of a battle and later on it's like he's making sure that he doesn't but you're right it kind of the ptsd part just kind of goes away maybe you know he he finds it himself to be brave but he i mean he is i mean he's definitely a brave man i mean he knows he's gonna die but
0: right but it should be like i feel like the end of it when he like volunteers like i'm gonna you know we volunteer to take the you know we're gonna be the first wave it should build up to that and it really doesn't because he's right. just kind of asking for that the whole movie yep he's like all right just give us a chance give us a chance give us a chance you'd love it if we give a chance and as soon as you get a chance like we'll take that chance so it's very like straightforward yeah. whereas if if you sort of you know if you change it up a bit to where it's like he's trying to avoid these head-on battles because he is, you know, he has had this terrible experience. The Battle of Antietam was among the bloodiest battles of the Civil War. Like it was, it was bad. And you know, he kind of makes a joke in that party scene. You know, where you know he's like, uh, "Yeah, they only made me an officer because I was, I was the only one that lived." Yeah, lots of people died in Antietam. Uh, right. It's, it's only kind of half a joke, but yeah, I think and yeah, I think there's there's other directions you could have gone with that.
1: But we'll, uh, yeah. yeah. And I guess my last thing too would be like Carrie Elway's character is kind of weird. Like at the beginning, it almost seems like he's a racist. And then right. the rest of the movie, he's the complete opposite of what Matthew Broderick's character thinks. Yeah. And it, it kind of yeah it confused me. And I read that they removed a lot of his scenes from the movie, which makes things even more complicated to me. Um, and I don't know if it had to, I don't know. I, I just, he, his character confused me.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 um, I like that they put in, like, he is a strict abolitionist. Yep. You know, whereas, you know, to the point where he's just like, yeah, I'm, you know, these are my friends maybe. And Matthew Broderick is like, whoa, 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 you have to put some distance, you know, as a, you know, as a commanding officer. Yeah. And, and, you know, Matthew Broderick's trying to, you know, trying to be Lincoln, or he's trying to like unite everybody. Right. And Carrie Ellis is just like, nope, like straightforward you know to the point where he later you know the scene where he breaks up the fight uh between the other uh, the other battalion that's that's walking by them and he's like yep. immediately yeah it's almost like the opposite of what you expect from a commanding officers immediately on the black soldier's side right to the point where morgan three master like no no we're good we're good here we're good
1: yeah, 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 and uh, and it, I think his accent was a little bit odd throughout the movie too. I was like, "Where is he from?" <laughs> where See, that, be was from? My,
0: that was my biggest problem with Matthew Broderick, because like, what was that accent? I don't, I don't even know. That's that's where he, it was kind of like, it was weak. Where like, there's one word that he kept saying. He's just like he was like he sounds like me trying to do a British accent, but he's well, not supposed to be British. Yeah,
1: it's it's like it was it was like he he had major major success from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and they're like, we're gonna put him in like a very dramatic role, and it was like, yeah. should we have thought about it first?
0: Sim- similar to like Cameron Diaz last week, where it was like, let's yeah. take the comedian actor and and see how they do in drama. I mean, yeah, second. but yeah, you know, it, it it doesn't really work, and obviously they kind of like, oh, actually Denzel is our leading man going forward after this. Like we thought it was gonna be. You know, like I feel like Matthew Broderick and Carrie Elwes both are car- or actors that they were like, they're leading men, we just need to figure it out. And they never quite did.
1: Yeah, and I might as well just say this now, uh, just because we'll, 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 you know, miscellaneous is a category. I have one major thing for miscellaneous, I might as well just say it now, and that is for some reason, Carrie Elwes and Matthew Broderick just didn't get along during set. <laughs> mm. um, I don't know, it doesn't say why, it just says they didn't get along. So I don't know if that also... Made their performances worse. I don't know, but it was just kind of an interesting fact.
0: Yeah, I did. I didn't hate Cary Ellis. I thought I thought he was quite good actually.
1: I mean, he's a good actor. I mean, yeah. I just I I just you know I I hear his accent from you know like Robin Hood Men in Tights in this movie sometimes. So maybe that was kind of just kind of like withdrew yeah, me from the role.
0: Cary K- Ellis is a guy who should have been like a big movie star in like the 30s, and he was just born like 50 years too late. <laughs> and like. He's just exactly what people like producers then would want, and they like right. got him in
1: the '80s, and they were like, "What do we do with this guy?" Right, right. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, that he's he's you know he's kind of an anomaly, but I like him. He'd, yeah, I I do wonder if
0: he would like, you know, if there was like an MCU equivalent, or if he was like coming up now, like would he be like Doctor Strange or something like that?
1: Right, right.
0: Because yeah, like it's just, like they never quite hit on him, except for like a couple movies and it was just like you see that you know see the princess bride and you see robin hood men in tights you're like why isn't this guy the biggest actor in hollywood
1: and 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 just the the other movies that he's in they're so random yeah like the saw and then liar liar like it's like those types of movies are like what the hell
0: by that point they're just like he's just he's just character actor like yeah like he's in like twister yeah and you know and he's great at playing a piece of shit but and that's like I saw his name in the credits and I was like it's I'd not seen this movie in a long time so I was like oh yeah he must play like an asshole cuz he's right. just so good at playing an asshole and he not Yeah so let's uh go
1: to medals who's your bronze my bronze went to Morgan Freeman I was pleasantly uh, surprised by his performance and not because I think he's a lousy actor because that's in- insane. He's a great actor, but I, um, I thought his, his character, you know, I was on Morgan Freeman's list is going to be pretty straightforward, but it wasn't, especially when he gave his little speech during the prayer. He, he, he played that very like, um, like he was like a preacher and I've right. seen, da, 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 and, I, and I, I just didn't expect that from Morgan Freeman. Usually he's, he's more like the straight laced talking you know, narrating, but he started doing this whole thing. And I was like, wow, he's, he's very good in here in this movie. I like the direction that the character went to. was, you know what I mean? It was just like this guy who cared a lot about being where he was and he got rewarded for it. And it was like he almost didn't even believe that he could, you know, he, I like the l- line where he's like, I can't, I don't even know if I want this. Right. You know, and it's, it's funny how he gets that reward right in front of the newspaper guy, too. It almost made me think that right. like there, it was like a, it was like a political thing where it was like, look at me. Like, I don't know. But right. But, but yeah, Freeman's my bronze.
0: So my bronze actually goes to Andre Brower, who plays I, one thing I think this movie does very well is it gives you the full like not the full, but like a, a very wide breadth of like the experiences that people might have. And I, I, I think he, you know, we're gonna see next week. I feel like he's he's the good version of Samuel L. Jackson character from Django, where it's just like other black characters in the movie are like, oh, he's like he's with the white people, right? And he, I mean, he and you so I feel like I'm so used to just seeing Andrew Brower, which is like the most karate there's yep. like three, you know, there's three actors in this movie that are like the most, like gravitas-filled actors, and uh, they're they're all like playing and yeah, either living up to it or not, depending on the role. And this is just an interesting role for him compared to what he would go on to do. And yep. I think he's just a great character who I just wanted to root for. Yeah. Oh yeah,
1: for sure. Uh, but who is your silver? we can keep talking about him because Andre Brouwer is my silver. And I believe this was his first ever film, his film debut. And he's something about him. He has a, he has an infectious smile and you just like to hear him talk. He's just great at speaking. (laughs) And uh, it, it is really great to see that he's kind of a wealthy black man on the white people's side, I guess. And having him mix with somebody like trip who comes from the other side and 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 the performances by all these actors are phenomenal, but just seeing him do that is uh, is very interesting. I think I've seen him in a few things. I've seen him in I think he's in Primal Fear, and he's in uh, The Mist. Yes, and he's obviously in that that comedy show that's on like whatever Comedy Central, whatever it is. He plays like a cop or something. But uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, Brooklyn Nine, yeah, yeah. And I just I I I just want to see him in more dramatic things because I think he's very. You know, and it must be tough just being an actor in general, and just wanted to see somebody do more work and more good things. But I feel like he's one of those character actors that I think I might, going forward, especially in this podcast, I might start using him a lot more now that I've seen him again because he's great.
0: Absolutely. So my silver is actually your bronze, Morgan Freeman, and just you know to echo everything that you said, uh, it's it's a character that you know, this is the same year uh, as Driving Miss Daisy, and that's very interesting because this movie has such a you know a wide array of great roles for for black actors and then it's like in the same year he's playing like a driver and it's like wow, interesting you know just where his career is and we're like what 5 years away from uh, from Shawshank where right he's kind of like after Shawshank it's like I know who I am as a yeah. as a like I knew who my celebrity is and he's still kind of figuring it out here and it's interesting to see but that scene that you mentioned where him and uh him and denzel go face to face it's like wow like these
1: two powerhouses just yeah and it's very interesting what you said very interesting is that you look at morgan freeman's career he was doing movies where his character was somebody who was looked down upon because the color of his skin those were the roles he was taking then he hit shawshank then after that he's basically playing god because right. And like, you know what I mean? They're like, at this point, why not? Why why can't a black man be God? And it's like his career completely shifted to these like, okay, Morgan Freeman is Morgan Freeman. And then he had these early roles where it was that – it was like racism. And it's a very interesting arc in his career for sure. Right. So gold medal? I mean I'm assuming we have the same yeah, one. Probably. It's it's Denzel. Matthew Broderick. No. <laughs> <laughs> Denzel, you know, and, and this is – I mean – this is a first for me and I'm happy that we did this because this is all three African-Americans make my yeah. gold, silver, bronze, uh, you know, it's beautiful. Uh, it's excellent. And I think this is, you know, it's just, it's just the movie where that's the most important thing at uh, these performances. You know, that's what I got out of this movie the most. And especially the lashing scene with Denzel and every, every line he delivers and his facial expressions and this and that, I just was like, Whoa, I got to watch more Denzel movies because this is excellent. And, there's no other person in this movie who deserves the gold. So
0: yeah, I I I agree with that a hundred percent. You know, I think I've I've used Denzel in a couple of recastings. He he just brings a presence with him that's that's very unique. And this is the one I think where they're like, they're like trying to like, oh, this is gonna make Matthew Broderick a huge star. It's gonna be his Oscar play. And then Denzel just walks in and he's like, Nope, I'm <laughs> taking this. Cause he's like, you know, after this is his first like huge, huge role. I feel like yeah, you know, the next year is in Mobetta Blues, which is a, a Spike Lee movie, I believe. Uh, the '92, so like three years later, he's Malcolm X, and then he's like, okay, he's a leading man. Yep. Then you get to like Pelican Brief, Philadelphia, and then he's he's like a huge star, and he's kind of just from that point forward, he's just like
1: doing Denzel movies. There are a few performances in Hollywood and, and just in Hollywood history where, like, somebody can, can appear in a scene and just change, change the way the movie feels. Yeah. And when he does that, when he first appears, the movie starts to shift. And it's because of Denzel. Right. And there's another movie I can think of, and this has always been a movie in the back of my head. Uh, there's a movie called Backdraft. And the movie is a certain way for a while, and then De Niro shows up, and the movie shifts. And this is, like you said, I think Denzel just has a presence about him yeah. when he's on screen. That's the focus. And yeah, I mean,
0: we've seen a, a few different, you know, performances like that. And, you know, yep. I'm thinking of like, you know, speaking of Morgan Freeman, like, you know, acquaintance of the show, Kevin Spacey shows up in, in seven. Yeah. And it's just yep. like, from that point forward, it's like, oh, this is a different movie. And granted, that's the end of the movie. But yeah, like he totally shifts the energy from like you know, a lot of that's like, you know, the beginning of the movie is a lot of like stodgy. Yes, we're here to do yes, up with the, down with the rebellion. Yeah. You know? Uh, yep. And uh, he, he's just like, okay, no, this is, this is going to be something different.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Absolutely. So let's go to recasting. And I, 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 so I have, uh, I have Shaw, I have Rollins, I have Trip, I have Forbes, who's Cariolis's character and I have Searles, which is Andre Brower's character.
1: Oh, Thomas. Yes. Yes. Okay. I have the same five as you then. I just, I just called him Thomas. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. So let's go uh, here for Thomas. Thomas. I went with John Boyega. Um, I was kind of maybe going to go in a different direction, but I I think he would do a good job as a sort of like a rich kid, you know, who's hanging out with, with the white people and stuff. And he has a, uh, you know, a big reality check when he gets there and I could picture him crying and, Sobbing and and this and that. So I think he's a, I think he's an actor that people overlook, and I think that he's going to do a, lo- a lot of great things going forward. So I, I chose him.
0: Yeah. So I went with a. Uh, this is a great show. I mean, he can do. He can do like wide eyed, and you know, it's sort of the beginning. But I went with uh, Heath Stanfield for this one. Y-
1: yeah, he he was the one I was gonna do, and then yep. I, I literally, not even joking, I said, "Well, Rick's probably going to go with yeah. him, so I'm going to go yeah. elsewhere." <laughs> yeah. I had, I
0: had him, he's a, he's a, an actor. He's such a great actor that I feel like there there are a ton of roles in this movie. He could play.
1: He could have played yeah, he could played the guy who like with the one from South Carolina who like stutters a little bit. Yeah. Easy. He, he could, he could, he could have yeah. played trip. Um, he like, yeah. he,
0: there there are a lot of roles in this. He could have played. He's probably a little young for Rollins, but um, yep. yeah, he's got the skills for it. But yeah, I, I, I picked him because he's, he's incredibly versatile. He's shown he can do similar stuff to this role. Before, where he can kind of, you know, he can, he can code switch basically and you know, for acting. I'm sure in his real life, he doesn't do that, but yeah, he's, uh, he, I think he's,
1: he'd be perfect for this. Yeah. Uh, let's go to, uh, to Forbes, who is, uh, Carrie Ellis's character. My Forbes went to Nicholas Holt and he is, uh, I guess, best known maybe for the X-Men movies that he's in where he plays beast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's uh, he I get when I was looking through pictures and and, and different actors, I kind of saw him and I was like, I could see him looking like a little bit like maybe a younger carry always in a way like a young, handsome, you know, clean cut looking actor who's uh, pretty talented. I've seen him in a few things and uh, I like him. So I went with him.
0: So for this one, I went with a guy who I kind of similarly I'm seeing in more stuff now. And he's probably better known for his, his Broadway stuff, but the movie producers are looking at him and they're like, there's a code to crack with this guy to make him a huge leading man. And they just haven't gotten it yet. And that is a uh, Jonathan Groff.
1: Okay. What is, what is, what, what is he known for in, so in Broadway? He is, um, he is in Hamilton. Okay.
0: He plays the, he plays the King in movies. He's the voice of Hans and frozen or Hans, uh, Christoph and frozen. Okay. Uh, he is, have you seen the new Matrix movie yet? I have not. Okay. He's a, he's in a pretty major role in that one. Okay. Uh, that I won't spoil, but he's, uh, yeah, he's like, he's a guy that's like, is he a villain? Is he a straight? He was in uh, the Netflix show. Yeah. He's, um, yeah, he's the, he's the main character of Mindhunter They're Like, I, I just see him in that Carrie Elwes role where it's just like, if we can just crack the code of what makes this guy work and find the right project, but I I could see him definitely working in this. Uh, He's just great and everything. Where do you want to go next?
1: Uh, Wherever we can do Rollins, if you want. Let's go Rollins. Okay. So I will say this. uh, When you're looking up uh, famous uh, African-American actors in their 50s, the, 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 the picks are a little slim. Sure. Um, it's just it was a very odd category to type into Google because you really just got a few different people. But there was an actor that I remembered that I really really liked, and he, I, he for me he's known for two movies that I've seen. One of them is Cool Runnings, and the other one is the Temptations movie. And he is Leon. He goes by just Leon. Uh, I believe his full name is Leon Robinson, but he plays David Ruffin in the Temptations movie, and he's basically the main character in Cool Runnings. And I have seen him kind of play like an older character. And I uh, I, I, I believe everything he does, especially when he's if, – if, if you guys haven't seen the Temptations movie, the VH1 movie, he's phenomenal as the arrogant David Ruffin who believes that he is the whole group. And he wants to rename the group David Ruffin and the Temptations, but they fire him <laughs> um, for being a cocky asshole. But he's a great actor, and I totally see him in this role.
0: This one I'm struggling. There's two actors who I think would be great in it. So my my runner up for this one uh, would be Chiwetel Ejiofor, who you may recognize as uh, he's in Twelve Years a Slave. Yep, he's yep, the main yep. character. Excellent is he, actor, isn't he? In
1: Doctor Strange.
0: Yes, he plays yep, Mordo. Yeah. He plays Mordo. Yeah, I, I, I just
1: saw Strange. that recently. So, yep.
0: Yes. So he's uh, he'd be great in it. He's in uh, Serenity, which is a great great flick. But I'm going uh, Mahershala Ali for this one. Okay. He can he can definitely bring that like slightly older than everybody else and uh, have, you know, I mean, he's, he's a tremendous actor in his own right. So, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Let's go. Uh, let's go trip. I'm going to go trip
1: first. OK, uh, trip. This
0: one, I would not be surprised to be the same person.
1: Yeah. For me, it was Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Same. Same. Yeah. I, he come on. That's not much you can say. He, he's he's trip. Yeah, just look, <laughs> look at him in Black Panther. Just I still haven't. Like, to- look- I'm about to get uh, Rick. I think you knew this, but i uh, me and Jiro are watching every movie from the MCU. Yeah, and our next one is Guardians too. So we're f- we're almost at Black Panther, which I haven't seen yet. So I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I mean, this is
0: like the yeah. The, the first person I thought of this was Lakeith Enfield, and then like Michael B. Jordan came to mind. And I was like, oh no, it's that's it's yeah, it's so perfect.
1: Yeah, it's like yep. that. That energy is so on point for this character. Do you think Michael B. Jordan is if not one of the most popular actors right now, the most popular African-American actor for his age. Ooh,
0: Oh, for, for his age?
1: Yeah, as far as like up-and-coming yeah. actors who like now is like, he's finally not up-and-coming anymore. He's just yeah, he's established in a lot now. of great, yeah. he's established now, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I, I I yeah, I, I would think so. You know, he's got, you know, obviously Black Panther, he's got, you know, he's got uh, the Creed movies, which are both excellent. Yep yeah i i yeah you know he's 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 phenomenal and i I think he's definitely the right guy for this this role if i was if i was casting it now uh so let's go shaw
1: i went in the same direction that this movie did i went with an actor who just seems like a little maybe a little feeble maybe a little bit unsure of himself and i went with uh, logan lerman yeah who is probably best known well one of the movies is perks of being a wallflower he's the lead in that and uh I can sort of picture him being that unsure, maybe a little bit stronger than Matthew Broderick's performance, but that's kind of who I saw in the role.
0: Yeah, I, I went with a little uh, more of a direction of like, you know, I think, I think the actor I picked, he could do either that direction, but probably more so now that he's a little bit older, like would do more so like high society trying to work out how to communicate with his, his mm-hmm. soldiers. And that is uh, Zac Efron. Okay. I actually just i i i had watched The Greatest Showman recently, mm-hmm. and uh, he does kind of in that movie have that you know upper society guy, and i I think he can I think he could probably pull it off. But that's a, that's a, that was a tough role to cast for me. The other ones I think came pretty easily. Yep, but that one was just like, where do you want to go? Like you you can't be too faithful to the you know to Matthew Broderick's performance. Like you have to pick something. So. Yeah. What do you th- what do you think
1: for its time? What if what if we were recasting this in 88? I had that thought.
0: 87?
1: I had that thought and a name did come to me. I have one too and I'm wondering if it's the same one. Uh who do you have? I was actually thinking Michael J. Fox. Interesting. I was actually thinking Tom Cruise. Okay. I was thinking Michael J. Fox cuz he does do that warm movie with Sean Penn. Yeah. And he he is and he's believable in that role. So that's kind of why I thought of him but
0: Yeah, I I I would, I would agree with that. You know, he's, you know, you and I just go in totally different directions with that. You know, I think Michael J Fox would be interesting as this guy who's had this responsibility thrust upon him. I think Tom Cruise is going to be coming from a different direction though, where it's like, you know, he's still young at this point, you know, this is before he, you know, mission impossible, I think is where, and you know, like interview the vampire probably a couple of years before that, you know, he's still kind of a young kid. But it's you know that age range is is tough to like where which direction you want to go with it,
1: right? Yeah, it, it's it's it it's actually kind of a strange role in general. Yeah, you know, but yeah, because you
0: could very easily go in, a, in an entirely different direction and just make him like a gruff asshole.
1: Yeah, you know, and that yeah. would still
0: work uh, for the movie. who has to like you know break down? You know, the interesting thing about this movie is throughout the runtime, I was thinking like this is not. This is not structured like a war movie. This movie is structured like a sports movie where it's like the first part of it is like, tri- <sighs> like just – These make, guys are terrible. They'll just, never win the championship. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then it's like just give us a shot. Like give us a shot. And they have like – they come to get – like think about it like Remember the Titans. Yeah. Like it's – you and that deals with race a lot as well, but in a different way, but it's like the first they're in training camp and they're coming together as a team and you have like the wild card and like the, the, you know, the captain and like the coaches, you know, has to figure out how to talk to his players. And there's like, Oh, just give us a chance. And then there's the game, you know, they lose it in the middle of the season, which in this one is like, they have to burn down those houses. And then, you know, the, the big game is the battle. And then this one, they lose the big game at the end, but they're still like, you know, they're, they've still done such great things for the town. You right. know, whatever it's like that. It's just, you know, if you look at so many different war movies, that are structured differently than this. Right. But did you have yep. anything else for, uh, for
1: miscellaneous? I didn't know that was basically it. Just the Denzel with the real tear. And then Matthew Broderick and Carrie is not getting along on set. That's it.
0: All right. So let's go to the Oscars it does get three wins it gets best supporting actor denzel wins for that uh it's nominated for best cinema or wins best cinematography and wins best sound as well it's also nominated for art direction and editing so let's go through the major categories we uh we have talked about this year a couple of times before but i think in the lighter affair was this like christmas vacation recently was this year
1: (laughs) yep uh and uh Uh, like roger rat wait a minute you're telling me that cousin eddie does not win the award over denzel this year he
0: doesn't denzel beats out cousin eddie i don't Uh, even know yeah and i think batman we talked about this this year as well so you know pretty pretty different uh movies to this one so let's go through the um let's go through the categories here the major categories best picture was won by driving miss daisy uh, Born on the Fourth of July is nominated. Speaking of Tom Cruise, Dead Poets Society is nominated. Field of Dreams is nominated. My Left Foot is nominated. Yeah, so this is this is not nominated for Best Picture, which is surprising. Yeah, I feel like that should be. It should definitely be in there. I still I do so. feel like I, I I feel like the real best picture of the years do the right thing, which really like goes head first into you know the race discussion you know it it's it's sort of grades down in quality of like do the right thing is like from the black person's point of view and like has you know deals with race in in a very intelligent and prescient way and mm. this one is like this has you know both white characters and black characters and there's you know, I, I think you, you said it very well before earlier that it doesn't, um, it does not. It's not a white savior movie, right? Which it easily, in like, in 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 other hands, it could have been. Yep. You know, this is a this is not that. Whereas, then Driving Miss Daisy is just like <laughs> rudimentary bullshit. You know, of like, can't we all just get along? And right. uh, yeah. So the, of course, Driving Miss Daisy wins the fucking Oscar. Um, so this is actually, other than Driving Miss Daisy, it's a very good year for, for nominees. I feel like.
1: Yeah, it it, it really is. I I think that uh, I don't think that Glory is a perfect movie, but I think it does deserve a spot in there.
0: What would you remove? Because I'd remove Driving Miss Daisy. The, the winner. Um, yeah, but then who's the winner?
1: Right. Um, gee, I don't even know this is still the other uh, is the, this, the,
0: is this better than dead poet society?
1: you know what? never saw it never still. saw dead poet society okay, still haven't seen it yeah one of those one of those ones I haven't seen which is surprising okay, man
0: that's really good it's a really good year I would hmm.
1: You know what? You know what? I'm fine with leaving it off too. Like it's okay. just the one. It's just the one that just missed it.
0: The show can revisit that later on. Yep. Um, sure. Best director: uh, Oliver Stone wins for Born on the Fourth of July. Acquaintance of the show: Woody Allen is nominated for Crimes and Misdemeanors. Peter Weir is nominated for Dead Poets Society. Kenneth Branagh for Henry V. Though we kicked him off for uh, Tim Burton uh, for Batman, and uh, Jim Sheridan for My Left Foot.
1: I do like me some Kenneth Branagh, but um he's already out you want to bring him back in no nah, that's all right i'm also good with the direction on this movie okay best actor
0: uh is won by daniel day lewis for my left foot kenneth Branagh is nominated for henry v tom cruise and born on the fourth of july morgan freeman for driving miss daisy and robin williams in dead poet society so i'm more than okay with uh, saying no to Matthew broder here agreed yep yeah. Uh, I don't. I think maybe there's one female character with lines in this movie, and it's like one line. So yeah, skip no. those categories. Supporting actor, Denzel Washington. In this wins. Uh, Danny Aiello is nominated for Do the Right Thing. Marlon Brando for A Dry White Season. Martin Landau for Crimes and Misdemeanors. And uh, it was Dan Aykroyd for Driving Miss Daisy, but we replaced him with Jack Nicholson playing the Joker.
1: Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the right choice won, I believe.
0: I think it's either him or Danny ILO. I do. I think it's. Okay. Uh, I think it's. I haven't place.
1: seen Do the Right Thing, so I'm not sure. But I do think yourself a for favor,
0: it. check it out.
1: I'm wondering if I should wait until maybe it comes up on the show, or but we we'll, Yeah, I'll definitely put it on my list of things to watch. Now, actually, you know what's funny? Like now, I'm starting every movie I watch. I fill out a form for it in case we do it on <laughs> the line. <laughs> so I have to rewatch it. It's gonna area of
0: it. I notes all.
1: I'm going through the Marvel movies now and I see that like down the line, we might be doing some Marvel movies and I'm like, crap, I should have just did my notes then. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: yeah. So that's the, uh, that's the Oscars here. What are we eating with this movie? <laughs> there's no food eaten in this movie. Is there? I don't think so. I think, well, no, there, there is. Somebody talks about. Uh, there's, there's a cafeteria scene. I don't think they mentioned what they're eating.
1: Right. Right. Um it, well, it, there's there is this scene where Matthew Broderick's character is e- like you know eating lunch for a second with the guy from the uh from the guy from uh, Office Space, <laughs> the jump to the jump to conclusions guy. Yeah. Um, and he's just like talking about like, hey, I got some I got some grape jam, some grape like that's, blueberry like, high-
0: jam. He's like he something else at first. Yeah. His,
1: his, his partner like corrects him. He's like no, yeah, no, corrects it's him said, No, it's actually blueberry jam. Yeah. That's like high quality food back then. So yeah. I guess I'm gonna be uh, spooning some blueberry jam for this movie. Is it this that somebody just eats like a tomato as a finger food? I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And they like they they take a bite out of the cherry tomato, like he's, like he's fucking Denethor. Denethor, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. spilling down the cheek. Uh, yeah, love it.
0: Wiping his fucking. <laughs>
1: but yeah, I'm, I'm New totally. Thing just... We have
0: now. It's washing hands. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely gonna be spooning some blueberry jam for, yeah, this, there we for go. this movie.
0: Some blueberry jam on toast. Yeah. So now we come to the most important part of the show, and that is when we put in 30 seconds on the clock, and Derek tells us why this, why Glory, is the greatest movie of all time. Derek, are you ready?
1: I am ready to, to, to put down the Confederacy, Rick. Great. I'm, I'm glad. Three, yep. two, one. Put down <laughs> Confederacy. <laughs> Glory edward zwick 1989 i think this movie does a great job with showing um a different angle of the civil war and maybe what you wouldn't see in a history book or read about i think the acting is very very good i think uh this is one that you don't want to miss i think as far as historical movies go they get a lot of things right so i would check this one out and shut your mouth you confederate bastards
0: all right, that's uh, that's 30 seconds there. Uh, indeed, uh, any Confederate bastards, please shut your mouth. Yeah. Please, <laughs> respectfully, go fuck yourself.
1: Exactly, yep. Uh, yeah.
0: Yep, so uh, that has been our episode on Glory. Next week, of course, uh, technically that's our last Civil War movie, but Civil War Month rolls on next week with Django
1: Unchained. Yes. We're gonna have a lot of fun next week on that
0: one. A ton of fun. Yeah. Heavy subjects the last couple of weeks, last three weeks. Yep. But uh yeah,
1: getting having a little fun next week. And then You know we're gonna have Rick, right? We're gonna have next week. We we are going to have the white cake.
0: Indeed. The the white fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then after uh after we get out of uh Civil War month, we're having a back to back a tribute. You got to believe me. I wish you were there. It's a matter of opinion. But a tribute to one of our favorite actors. Uh, and uh, we're going to kick off February with a back to back Robin Williams doubleheader. Uh, yes. And that is uh, we're going to have Goodwill Hunting. And then we're following that one up with a movie that we've talked about a lot on this show for an episode yes. we haven't done. Uh, and that, of course, is our good friend, future guest of the show, Steven Spielberg's
1: hook I, I don't know rick I, I don't know about you but i think we might have found the greatest movie of all time with hook we'll find out it, it will we'll talk about it we will
0: talk about it so i can't wait for that yeah and uh yeah and uh derek what do you have coming up on the greatest album of all time podcast
1: yes uh if timelines are correct um this is coming out i don't even know dates at this point but the next one that you'll be hearing is tapestry by carol king which is going to be a lot of fun. We we had me and Gia. We recorded on uh, a different style. We have our microphone right in the middle of the room, and we just kind of talk and, and have fun. So it's a different style now. And uh, and then the week after that, we are going to be doing "Appetite for Destruction" by Guns N' Roses. And then after that, we have scheduled "Ram" by Paul McCartney. So we are excited. You will get an episode every two weeks. And yep, you'll, there's going to be some new fun updates on the next episode by uh, the tapestry by carol king you'll hear me mention some new things so get excited can't
0: wait for that so i do want to thank you so much for listening to the greatest movie of all time podcast tell your friends about us really it uh we definitely want to get more people listening and uh you know i i think uh you know we we have a, a lot of fun episodes coming up so stay tuned for that as always i have been your co-host rick
1: Barrasso. I've been your co host, Glory Hole Bosky. Just
0: let that sit. Just let the Glory Hole sit. <laughs> Keep watching, everyone.